You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe Good morning, everybody. It is December 12th, 8.03 a.m. And I'm actually in the Collective Cafe on time. What about you? Why are you not here on time? Of course, if you are subscribed to the podcast and listening, then uh, it's always on time. On demand is always on time. There's your quote. On demand is always on time because it is your time at the end of the world at the end of the world is that freudian at the end of the day sometimes it feels like it is the end of the world i don't know 2024 december 12th i just realized it's 12 12 it all it it already feels like everything's shut down or slowing down or uh is it just me but it just feels like already like everything is winding down it doesn't feel like there's a mad rush to you know, December 23rd or December 24th, where people are just cramming, trying to crush the year in the year. You know, I just think people are so tired and exhausted. I mean, what's been happening in the Middle East, I mean, that's October, November, now into December. It's just the world is just tired. I'm tired. Are you tired? 
just exhausted, depleted. We need to replenish our energy. I mean, it is all about energy at the end of the day, I think. Um, so what I wanted to do today, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure... I'm not sure how much uh, legs this will this will have, but I saw this thing that said 10 business trends for 2024 and forecast for 15 in, uh, industries, and it's from The Economist, which basically means probably going to be boring, and uh, I won't understand any of it. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, let's go through them and see if, if we, can, we can riff a little bit. Maybe you'll give me some help, Tim, in the audience. Um, in uh, if I need uh, if I need to stall a little bit because you know I'm not I'm not an economist and um, I do not play one on TV and uh, you know finance and investments and banking is just math it's just not my forte I'm a creative guy you know that um, so I'll do my best to get through it so number one central banks I told you. Central banks, including America's Federal Reserve, start to reduce interest rates as price rises slow. With global inflation still at 5%, however, consumers remain thrifty. Um, So for sure, I mean, we are expecting... that. Look, I I could probably, and I don't know, I haven't gone through them in advance. I like to kind of go through them in real time. But we're definitely going to see some very interesting... Uh, is the word macroeconomic, but trends, you know, on a broad-based level, as it relates to, by the way, including but not limited to, you know, uh, the whole um, Bitcoin, uh, EFT, inevitable announcement, the halving of Bitcoin, <clears throat> the addition, the the mainstreaming, the embracing, perhaps, although apparently Elizabeth Warren has come up with a bill to kind of quash crypto, uh, but I did see a very interesting little uh, analogy that shows that over the last eight years, Elizabeth Warren has introduced, I think, something like 65 or 70 bills. Not one has actually passed, which is kind of bizarre, uh, interesting. Um, so there's no question that, uh, I mean, there are two issues here, right? Obviously, is is inflation, which remains uh, a concern, a global concern, um, certainly when we think about the Fed here in the U.S. Uh, as a bit of a bellwether globally, uh, but also the anticipation of um, of interest rate reduction and, of course, the whole effect that will have on everything, you know, lending, borrowing, you know, home home prices, etc. So, um, I mean, I think this is, it's going to be interesting. There's, you know, again, I don't, I don't even know enough to be dangerous, but I do know that um, that from an economic standpoint, I can't say whether 2024 will be full-blown, but I think it will be the beginning and a bit of a turn, however slow or fast that turn is, uh, a turn in the right direction. Uh, but the other thing is this point about, you know, of course, my perspective is always going to be from a consumer standpoint, from a consumer behavior standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, the concept of consumers remaining thrifty. Um, I think this also, you know, we've all gone through and lived through, you know, a tremendous amount of PTSD as it relates to COVID and everything that has resulted from COVID. Um, Most humans, normal people, have gone through incredibly harsh economic times 
and um, and many, if not most of which, have struggled to recover. And it's because of that that I think I think things have changed. You know, um, including the ability to waste money and indulge and be thrifty. I mean, I've noticed it myself, even in the way that I've approached everything. I've worked harder. I've you know, I've I've put in the extra hours in order to find a better priced fare. Um, um, you know, in the past, in my past, I've been a little bit more liberal when it's come to spending money. Um, but now, you know, I mean, I remember my, my late mom used to say, um, if you save the pennies or if you look after the pennies, the pounds will take care of themselves. Um, and I do think this, you know, if, if there is a kind of global consumer trend towards thriftiness um i think that that is not coming i don't think we're going back anytime soon to wasting money you know part of the reason as well is and look i mean this so, we we could we could spend the entire session today just talking about um the the impact the effect on the influence the relationship between thriftiness and marketing because you know marketing and advertising at its core has always been, I mean, when we think about the concept of building brands, well, building strong brands has really always been about the idea of commanding, demanding, earning the right to charge a premium, you know, for a superior brand, however you define what makes that superior brand. Why are you going to pay a little bit more? You know, and in many respects, it was because of the equity and the consistency and the reliability and, you know, and there was brand experience. Today, we can add a few more things to that, um, including but not limited to this idea of social responsibility or what I call societal issues, purpose, diversity, equity, inclusion, access. You know, the fact that we are buying from companies that share our values or not buying from companies that do not share our values. And maybe we pay a premium for that. Maybe we pay a premium for the ability for them to give to charity uh, as many uh, companies choose to kind of build their brand anchored against that um and so you know thriftiness as i said to me uh is a trend in of itself um and no amount of tweaking manipulation increasing decreasing interest rates etc i think is going to change that um so that would be my commentary and my take my spin on number one uh number two Amid efforts to slow climate change, renewable energy consumption climbs by 11% to a new high, uh, but fossil fuels still meet over four-fifths of energy demand. And, uh, you know, again, when we talk about, a, uh, I think, a, a consciousness, a collective consciousness, a global consciousness towards, um, you know, it doesn't help that someone like Vivek Ramaswamy uh, is a is a climate change denier. Um, it's still incredible to me. Incredible, like like uh, it's almost unbelievable that you have people that you know. I mean, I, I guess he went to Harvard, which which you know these days it's almost like <laughs> I saw a, I saw a great little thing that said uh, I don't mean to brag, but I didn't go to Harvard, MIT, or Penn. Um, I love that, you know, I mean, it, like, honestly, I if I had the choice right now to send my kid to Harvard or go to Harvard myself to do a master's, a PhD, or even to teach, I would decline. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going on a slight little uh, little tangent, you know, as well. But it's just unbelievable to me to see 
how many people in government, elected officials, so-called intellectuals uh, that went to some of these Ivy League schools can, can even dare to deny climate change. Um, but, um, you know, we'll also see, obviously, I mean, I don't know if we'll get to automotive, um, but certainly, I mean, when we uh, the automotive industry uh, continues to march towards uh, electric and such. So that's interesting. Uh, number three, IT spending picks up, rising by about 9%. Artificial intelligence generates remarkable hype but produces precious little revenue and plenty of scrutiny. So this, is, this whole uh, business trend is interesting to me because we're, we're kind of, you know, I wouldn't have thought that we would be somehow discussing AI in the context of IT, all the initials, right, AI and IT. Um, and, like, I'm not really sure if we're talking about IT here or if we're just talking about AI, but certainly, um, you know, we spent a lot of time this year talking about AI, hype versus hope, Gartner's hype curve. Um, interesting that it talks about producing precious little revenue and plenty of scrutiny. I agree on the scrutiny, um, I agree to a de- to a lesser degree on hype. I'm not sure I agree on revenue. I think we're going to start to see some unbelievable. I mean, even you know, even at the generative level, you know, I myself, like I'm, you know, a solo entrepreneur. I think I'm paying for Runway, and I think I'm paying for um, for Mid Journey, and I'm paying for ChatGPT. I'm paying probably more subscriptions for AI related products than I am for streaming services. Actually, no. But, I mean, close, but it's it's increasing as well. Um, the scrutiny, for sure, right? The scrutiny as it relates to uh, privacy, deep faking, um, authentication, um, there's, there's no question. There's just no question that, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an inevitable dialogue and conversation when we talk about regulation versus self-regulation. We've just gone through the whole Web3 space, um, anything that we don't understand, we try and control. Anything that we can't control, we try and regulate. Anything that we can't regulate, at the end of the day, we we almost have to allow, um, whether it's self-policing, self-regulation, um, or just, just the inevitable or inexorable uh, march of progress. Um, because sometimes, you know, you can't put the genie back in the box. Uh, or the lamp, or or the bottle, or whatever, or Pandora back in the box. You know what I mean. Um, so there's no question that we will see more. Have we seen a slight cooling down of AI? I don't know. Maybe to a degree. Maybe in the maybe in the hype part. Um, but in terms of businesses that are getting funded and businesses that are uh, almost. I mean, I've been talking to a company that's doing um, uh, product placement, AI generated product placement in in videos and and in particular so yeah we're going to see plenty more innovation and um and for sure you know if ai wasn't a trend i'd be concerned um number four uh the gap between the infrastructure the gap between the infrastructure the world needs and what it gets amounts to three trillion dollars to plug its infrastructure hole, Asia's gross fixed investment expands uh, by 4%. I'm not sure I can even talk to this one. I don't really understand this one, you know, at all. Um, to, I, mean, to, I mean, I understand it at its, at its, <laughs> at its simplest level, um, but, uh, but it is incredible to think that, um, 
that there is a three trillion gap between what the world needs and and what the world actually has at the moment in terms of basic um, infrastructure. I don't know. I mean, I, when I think of infrastructure, I'm wondering: are we talking like like roads and bridges and tunnels, or are we talking about um, things like uh, electricity and water, um, or or even something like internet access? Um, to level the playing fields. Uh, there's no question that, you know, whether we talk about the Matthews effect when we, um, I mean, listen, <laughs> what's happened What's happened over the last three months with, with Israel uh, being, um, you know, being attacked and invaded by Hamas and, um, and, you know, what we've seen as a result of that in Gaza um it's 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 clear i mean it's clear when we think about and 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 what i'm actually referring to is also you know the the double standard in terms of the outrage because people people do not live um the same or treated the same have the same rights have the same access have the same uh justice you know, it's just there is such an imbalance um, in the world. And, you know, my hope is just moving beyond, for one moment, beyond what's happening in Israel and uh, and an entire conversation about anti-Semitism, which I'm happy to have at some point. I mean, to me, the double standard of, of uh, selective outrage, that to me is the real... That's almost like the real crime here, selective outrage. You know, we choose when we want to be outraged. And so much of the outrage is is ignorant as well. And um, and I think it's a challenge. And so how do you plug a $3 trillion gap? I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Um, okay, number five. This I should be able to talk to. Uh, revenue in the advertising industry increases by 5% thanks to America's presidential election and big sporting events such as the Paris Olympics. So, you know, it's interesting because th- this, is, this is almost like, a, uh, like an oversimplified prediction because it has always been, I would say, um, historical that in election years, general election years, and in Olympic years, you've always seen a boost of advertising. But the world has changed so much. This statement would have been true when I wrote Life After the 32nd Spot in 2004. Well, the world is 20 years later. I mean, it wasn't actually 2004. It was like 2005 when it when I think, when I think uh, the book was released. Um, but you know, call it almost 20 years. The world has changed so much that it's just not as simple as, you know, when the Olympics come to town. Because I don't know if you remember this, but I mean, for those of you listening in the US, but I mean, NBC, I think were always, I think they had a like a, like a, a lock on the Olympics. And I mean, it was like, you know, it was like their, uh, what they call it, their happy place. And they would... um and it was also like so bizarre because, you know, I come from South Africa. South Africa is a sport, you know, obsessed country. If there is an event happening at three in the morning, you watch at three in the morning, you watch live. And of course, what would happen with 
uh, in the US is that all the events, so it's a little bit of a historical kind of like, you know, um, uh, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, retro, uh, uh, retroactive. So NBC would basically just show everything in prime time because that's when people were watching. That's when you could get the biggest ad revenue. You know, that's when, you know, that's when people on the East Coast were coming back from work. And then, of course, they would show it again prime time on the West Coast. So it would be like, you know, 8 p.m. East Coast and then 8 p.m. West Coast. They'd show like the, the West Coast view of it. Um, or, um, and, and, I've, and it was also so overproduced, all of these vignettes and stories and, you know, and, and little docu, mini, mini documentaries of the athletes and this, you know, and some of them were kind of interesting, but it was all just designed to stretch everything out and obviously inject as many adverts, advertising commercials as possible. But then, you know, with the mainstreaming of, of first digital and access to the web and then social media <clears throat> and not just social media and in particular Twitter, but, but also, you know, the iPhone, the smartphone and notifications, the concept of not knowing how a result ends up you know, specifically when we're in Australia or, you know, or, or Japan or whatever the case may be, it was just insane, you know, to try and, and, and push this, you know, this artificial or contrived rendition of the Olympics, um, you know, down, in, down the throats and into the living rooms of, of middle America. And, um, I haven't really seen innovation or much adaptation other than, you know, stream, watch, call, click, whatever, you know, that you could watch it on your phone um, or, you know, or watch or watch it um, on your cable station, etc. And um, so I, I don't know where all this ad revenue is coming from. And of course, you know, these days, NBC will show it on 17 different channels. So it's been a little bit of innovation, right? Um, USA and NBC and CNBC and MSNBC and, you know, whatever, like all their different Bravo, all, all of their different networks. Um, but for the most part, there is so much fragmentation and people are getting clips and vignettes and highlights through social media. I mean, I think back in the day, um, you know, now probably not so much, but Back in the day, Twitter, I think, had was actually, you know, it was like showing and streaming a lot of events live as well, which made so much sense. And as far as the Olymp uh, as far as the presidential election um, is is taking place, again, I don't know that it's just a fait accompli that advertising is going to have a banner year. Um, people are so tired and jaded and skeptical, and you know, and um, you know the the CNN Fox News political ad machine is just old and tired. And I just don't know that people are going to have the patience right now to be sitting through all of this, you know, garbage, uh, predominantly on television and, and web and whatever. In, in, if anything, uh, they're going to be on Twitter spaces debating and discussing and, um, you know, and, and if they aren't on Twitter spaces predominantly because, you know, I think Clubhouse is, I mean, if, if Clubhouse isn't dead, it's 
on life support, um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, people might be listening to podcasts or something. And all of this is happening at the same time where advertising continues to come under tremendous pressure and, um, you know, downward pressure in terms of pricing based on um, fragmentation, based on proliferation of channels, of choices, of content, etc. So, you know, I that would be my kind of, you know, personal take um, on number five on the revenue. Number six, international tourism rises above geopolitical and economic uncertainty to create record revenue of $1.5 trillion, fueled by high prices and post-pandemic wanderlust. You know, I, I got to say, like, I'm surprised that I'm, like, disagreeing with so many <clears throat> of these uh, of these uh, predictions. Um, and, you know, um, I have to say that, you know, I have to say that, that I think the... I think the world is on edge at the moment. Um, I think that that right now people are nervous. People are super, super nervous. <clears throat> and, you know, I can tell you uh, American Airlines has basically, can- I know this because you know, I've seen multiple flights, they've canceled pretty much every one of their flights uh, and, r- and routes into and out of the Middle East. And even Asia, not Asia, but like... Um, you know, uh, I had a flight cancelled uh, out of Qatar. I had a flight uh, flight cancelled into and out of Tel Aviv. Okay, understandable that part. <clears throat> but you know, the world is a is a very dangerous place at the moment, or it feels <clears throat> very unstable. And this, you know, post pandemic wanderlust. Really, are we? You know, I mean, did you not, economists? Did you not see? Uh, business trend number one about thriftiness. I don't know that people are again indulging and you know going to all these you know um, exotic locations and overspending in the process. Um, it also feels like even though you know COVID is <clears throat> not gone. You know I I had COVID myself about three weeks ago, and it wasn't pleasant. Um, but I mean, survivable, it was just like, again, bad, cold, you know, flu, whatever. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that we're still, you know, <clears throat> feeling this idea of, oh, I need to get out more, or I don't want to get out, or, you know, I need to p- see people, or, I mean, I just I just don't see it. I'm sorry. You know, so tourism, sure, um, but but, you know, record revenue, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm sure there's some a lot smarter people and more informed people and people that have more data and research than me. <clears throat> but I'm just telling you kind of my gut feel. Um, number seven, a graying world spends vigorously on health with about one in 10 people aged 65 or older. Healthcare makes up one-tenth of global GDP. Wow. Healthcare makes up one-tenth of global GDP. That is insane. <clears throat> and um yeah i mean i see this uh, i see this big time as well i <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> stupid frog in my throat won't go away it always happens in the morning let me just uh try and clear my my throat <clears> throat> mm. hate it 
Yes, and this is a yes and trend number seven, because um, <clears throat> the world is, you know, with this, the world is also, li- people are living longer. I mean, I've, I've had a ton of guests on my show um, talking about and focused on specifically this idea of, you know, uh, Bernie Borges, you know, this idea of um, uh, from midlife crises to midlife awakenings. You know, we, we say like, you know, 70s, the new 60, 60s, the new 50, 50s, the new 40. Hell, 80 is the new 60. And people are really, um, you know, it's funny. It's almost like this graying world. I don't like the idea of the graying world. I call them the silver-haired revolutionaries. Um, they may be impacting the international tourism trend, right? They may be counteracting the thriftiness trend because, you know, I mean, as I wrote in, in, in my new book, it's like what the business model of life is broken. What are we trying to do? Just hoard all this money so that we can kind of leave it to a bunch of ungrateful squabbling children or, or a bunch of cats. So, you know, I do see not just, you know, not just investing in or spending on healthcare, but also other things as well. Um, but yeah, with one in 10 people age 65 or older, uh, like I almost look at that stat and I think, oh, is it only one in 10 that are age 65? But I'm sure if you if you looked at 50 and older, that number would be very different. Of course, at the same time, you have a, you know, you have a, an unbelievably maybe, um, I don't want to say <laughs> can't, you can't be getting older, you can't be getting younger, but skewing younger population in so many countries specifically developing countries or you know or or countries that are not what would be considered to be you know f- i don't know if if the if if the right term these days is first world but certainly you know when we think about um you know whether it's i don't know g7 com- countries um we see in in so many countries that the average population is significantly younger as well but you know the the baby boomers, as they continue to grow, age old, uh, age age out, <laughs> uh, die off. But also the next, you know, hell, I'm a Gen Xer, aged fifty two, turning fifty three this year, and uh, I don't feel fifty two slash fifty three. I feel, in some respects, like I'm still in my thirties or forties. Maybe physically not, like I just can't do the things I used to. But in terms of outlook, in terms of energy you know, in terms of feeling, in terms of things to accomplish in my life and goals, you know, I feel like I'm still just getting started, to be very honest with you. Um, Number eight, America shells out $886 billion on defense, defense and defense, supporting Ukraine and countering China, whose neighbors, including Japan, Taiwan and the Philippines also bolster their defenses. Um, interesting that there's nothing on Israel in there. Uh, and, you know, for those of you kind of following at home, um, there's been a lot, I mean, I don't know that they've actually made any progress or headway, um, you know, between um, a Republican-controlled House and a Democrat Democratic-controlled Senate by the thinnest of margins, um, you know, creating bulls, uh, attaching Ukraine to Israel or Israel to Ukraine, detaching or attaching, you know, support for the border wall, the southern border wall, you know, being able to kind of um, separate versus not separate them. Um, it's just been a little bit of a mess um, as well. Uh, but certainly, um, 
you know, when it comes to recognizing the unstable world, it's not just Russia and Ukraine, it's China, Taiwan, um, you know, obviously Israel and, uh, and, and you know, uh, Israel, Gaza, Lebanon, and, and the, the worst actor of all, Iran. Um, so, um, you know, there is... There is always a business. It's like it's like uh, it's like death, right? The death is a business. I mean, I've just gone through it this year with my mom, and man, it's a business. You know, just wow, everything from funeral arrangements to you know tombstones to you know, man, it's just it's just uh, uh, like there are you can make it's the irony of ironies, right? You can make quite a healthy living on the business of death. Um, and so defense is the same thing as well. Uh, what do they say? The best offense is defense. So there you go. Uh, number nine, um, and there it is. We discussed it earlier. Electric vehicles speed forth. Oh, look what I just did there. I didn't do that, I, but look what they just did there. Electric vehicles speed forth, driven by strong government support. One in four new cars is a plug-in with more than half of these sold in China. I have to say, like, in my life, I have never witnessed a time when I've seen so many brands of car, makes and models of car, that I've never even heard of in my life. Like, I don't, someone can explain it to me. But, I mean, I I knew, like, you know, the Nissans and the VWs and the BMWs and the Toyotas and the, like, I knew all the manufacturers and and now what's this like Riven or Rivian Rivian like there are so many um, new manufacturers on the market. I'm imagining that many, most of them perhaps, are now electric, which is hybrid, which is why we're seeing this new wave of uh, innovation, adoption, intro, you know, brand uh, introductions, um, and um, obviously with the infrastructure that supports it. Um, it's uh it just continues <clears throat> to be a trend that I mean would I put that in a top ten I would have probably thought that there's no aha there I should say um I do think it's going to also be interesting for me you know what what interest uh, I heard this like years ago that like you know the 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 world's mo- largest mobile phone is a car and if you actually think about mobile marketing you have to think about cars. And when you do and you actually realize that, you know, I mean, it was like a big aha moment for me, which was called um, uh, this idea that, you know, mobile is also referred to as wireless, right? Wireless means no wires. And when you talk about and mobile, right, also means that you are not, and especially when you have no wires, you are not tethered to one specific location or geography. You are free to move about the country as Southwest's tagline, Southwest Airlines' tagline reads. And so when you actually think about the power of mobility, right, of no wires, just like the old telephone used to have that coil that was tethered to a wall, you know, now the ability, I always say this, um, which is, you know, the one thing, uh, nobody actually gets this, by the way, when I ask the question, I always say, what is the one thing that we don't say that that we didn't used to say back in the day that we do say now? What is the one thing that we never said back in the day when we had landline phones that we now 
say all the time, almost one of the first things that we say when, we, when we're on the phone. I'll let you think about that for a second um, while I'm uh, talking a little bit. What is the one thing that we never used to say when we would call someone, when they would answer, when we would greet them, when we would you know, start talking to them that we now say almost every single time? But, you know, going back to advertising for a second, we always would say that, you know, advertising was about getting the right message in front of the right person in the right place at the right time, you know, in the right mindset to get the right result. Now, a lot of those, the mindset, the result, um, that's kind of like added commentary, but we would always say, you know, right person, right message, right person, right place, right time. But the reality was that, that you know, television advertising that commanded all of these dollars for so, much, for so long still has a disproportionate amount of dollars, you know, obviously clips now by digital and online, but, you know, television would talk to people between 8 and 11 p.m., you know, at night, considered prime time, because the audiences were the greatest then, but they were not necessarily in the right place. It was not necessarily the right time, and they were not necessarily in the right mindset. And before digital, before before the internet, you had absolutely no way of being able to, you know, subscribe or provide an email address or download a coupon or or buy even the only thing you could do at the time the only thing you could do at the time was to call a toll-free number i mean think about that for a moment all you could do with all of this these dollars was just call a toll-free number or even a premium number at nine o'clock at night and you know maybe just maybe you, you would have to get in your car and drive to a store in order to buy something. But for the most part, the stores were closed at that time anyway. And so what would happen? I call it gap or lag analysis. What would happen? Well, people would just forget because that's what we do. We're humans. We see, I mean, I still play this game with people to this day. You know, two days, three days, even days. Later the night of the Super Bowl, I tell, I ask people to recall the ads they saw, and most people can't get beyond two or three. And often they'll be like, "Oh yeah, there was a Toyota ad." I'm like, "No, actually, it was a Ford ad," or uh, or completely get the brand wrong. So we are forgetful beings. One of the things we say at EOS is you have to tell someone something seven times for them to hear it for the first time. So if that is true. You know, um, Seth Godin once said, um, advertising is the tax we pay for being unremarkable. And I said, I added, I said, frequency is the tax we pay for being unmemorable or not being memorable. So if it is true that you actually have to tell someone something seven times, well then by definition, you know, every ad needs at a minimum to be aired seven times. What a load of waste just on the hope that they remember some element of it, that doesn't even imply that they were the right person. It doesn't even imply that, that they're in the market. I mean, I, I'm probably the right person for a German luxury car, but if I've just bought a German luxury car, you know, an Audi, then it doesn't matter how compelling or attractive a BMW ad is, I'm not buying and I am considered to be in the target audience 
or you know the 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 wheelhouse as well so there is so much wastage built into the model so much so here you are back in the day having to show someone an ad seven times for them to actually hopefully hopefully remember it the next morning wake up leap out of bed bounce out of bed and say oh that ad for the you know uh, i don't know um you know denture polyfiller cream or whatever the hell that product is you know or erectile dysfunction i'm probably more likely to remember that drug than than denture cream not me i'm just saying you know what i mean but i'm just saying like whatever it is and now you're going to just like oh i'm i'm compelled to drive to the mall and buy it obviously then digital comes along and so much i mean what a panacea for marketers for advertisers that someone could go to you know on their phone or now with qr codes on tv ads or whatever go to the the web and actually buy the damn product or at least get a reminder or or get more information or do whatever the case uh the case may be or whatever the case may be and so you know it's um should i don't even remember what the point was oh oh i do i just remembered now because i was thinking i was going to tell you um you know the the thing the answer to the riddle if you're listening you're like he's going to forget he's going to forget no i'm not um the answer is where are you right now we always we call i call my wife i go where are you oh, i'm at, at stop and shop just getting you know some some uh you know vegetables or whatever uh where are you joe i'm i'm filling up gas so we never used to say that then because you'd call someone at home and they were at home you'd call them at work and they were at work so what i was saying is is when we think about right place right time um the mobile phone and specifically the car actually becomes um a an advertising um i don't know like shot in the arm you know when you go into a tesla i mean that i personally just think it's hideous how big the screen is um but it's huge it's huge it you know the tesla screen is bigger than my actual macbook pro screen and imagine what you can do with that of course remember that when you have something like ways or navigation and you're in a car you actually can be rerouted or routed to be able to find the place where you can actually buy it. So it's this kind of interesting irony as I spoke about advertising earlier that you'd be in your gown and slippers at 9 and 9 p.m. at night watching ER on must-see TV Thursdays on NBC just before, you know, in a non-Olympics year. See how I'm weaving all that together and like I was like, "Well, what are you going to do? Jump in your car and drive to it?" Well, now when you're actually in your car or on the move, um you can actually go to the store of all places you can actually end up um and satisfying your demand and satisfying your um your craving i would also say that just going back to advertising for a second when we think about um uh, autonomous vehicles and self-driving cars and autopilot <clears throat> we're going to find the ability again for messaging and advertising and communication to play a much more active role when on the road um in some respects being a captive audience but more importantly a receptive audience um and 
you know, one of the things going back to the Elon Musk conversation that we had um, in the Collective Cafe uh, a few weeks ago, I absolutely um, think that it's possible, it's more possible than not possible, put it that way, that we are going to see a, um, that we are going to see uh, Twitter or X playing a more active role in the car, you know, in a Tesla, um, and it may or may not be advertising or messaging-based. It may be more commerce-based as well, like the ability to actually purchase or or secure um, or, you know, subscribe, etc., uh, etc. Et so that's kind of how I would add to point number nine. And then finally, number 10, with 60% of America's firms allowing working from home, a fifth of American offices lie empty. The EU's less relaxed employers will keep its vacancy rate at just 8%. Um, So interesting stuff. couple of trends here that are like, I don't know, mushed together. The one being this idea of the work from home, the you know the great resignation, the you know as uh, Erica Keswin uh, said on my show, we have to design days worth the commute for companies that are wanting people to come back to the office or work from the office. But sixty percent of America's firms allow working from home, whether it's one day, two days, three days, etc. Um, a fifth of American offices lie empty. If I was to give you a trend, and I've discussed this a few times, um, I think we can create um, experience parks, right? I think we can, if you've got a a 48-story building, um, you know, uh, in, in Manhattan, why wouldn't you have a dog park on an entire, maybe not an entire floor, but half the floor, mini golf, um you know, gyms, um, just create experience floors, right? Experience floors that are um, food trucks inside buildings. But whether it's food, whether it's movies, uh, entertainment, uh, gyms, um, you know, uh, dog care, uh, child care, um, you know, and as I said, you know, laser tag, I don't know, but just this ability to actually almost get to the point where you never want to leave the building. Um, just think about how much more of an incentive that would be. You know, my daughter is now working in the working world. She's got a dog. Uh, the ability for her to take her dog to work and have the the dog park inside the office complex, that, that I'm telling you now, that would play a role in, in her deciding which company to work for. And it may even impact um, salary requirements. So I think that there's, you know, there's always the ability and the possibility to turn a threat into an opportunity, to actually kind of look at something that looks you know, miserable, <laughs> demoralizing, demotivating, or a problem and say, how do we turn this frown upside down? And and that is exactly how I would how I would approach it, or what I would be doing to create these experience um, 
experience flaws, if you will. And um, so I must say, <laughs> I must say that that I came into this um, being feeling a little bit nervous to go through 10 business trends for 2024 by The Economist and be able to, you know, this is a global roundup from The Economist Intelligence Unit. You know, I am decidedly um, not uh, an intelligent person when it comes to economics, um, but I think I was able to uh, fake my way <laughs> or force my way or stumble my way through these 10 trends um, and then, you know, obviously give my take, uh, my own version, my own builds on that, um, in part just based on how I see the world, but also in part based on my own um, viewpoint, which is generally a marketing and an advertising one um, as well, and these days uh, an entrepreneurial one as well. You know, I would say if, if I'm going to add my own one, and this is very much connected to and and linked to to my book Forever Changed how a global pandemic changed my direction uh my purpose and my life um i would say that that people it's not just thriftiness it's um it's perspective um it's prioritization it's focus uh, a lot of these things are going to be connected back even to the election we are really questioning um questioning ourselves, questioning the world, questioning everything, questioning authority. Um, and this doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, if you think about life, right, life has, we've, we've gone through periods of, you know, make love, not war, and the age of Aquarius. And, you know, we've gone through protest, and we've gone through, you know, both in terms of, um, you know, protest, violent or otherwise, but also this idea of just choosing a different path, a different approach. When we think about the rise of, uh, first of all, the legalization um, of not just soft but hard drugs, but certainly marijuana, um, and in many, in some states now, even hard drugs. When we think about the rise of uh, and the and the and increased awareness of psychedelics, when we think about mental health. Um, when we think about mindfulness as well, when we think also about all of these forces, you know, we've gone through periods of upheaval and trauma from COVID to, you know, to George Floyd, um, you know, to, um, you know, f- fast forward to war in, in Ukraine and, and war in the Middle East um, and, and um, dysfunction at the highest level um, in government, and we kind of look at all of these. And by the way, you know, not for nothing, um, we've seen you know backlashes too, as it relates to um, woke, anti woke, um, you know. But also, it's not social media in of itself, um, and it's just very interesting. The world is is feeling very, um, shall we say, tender. We're we're tender at the moment. We're on edge. We, you know, I had this conversation on the show. We from road rage to plane rage recently to now this. We had a whole discussion. I think I I don't know if it was Scott McCain or Jay Bear talking about time rage. 
just getting super impatient um, about things like time and being made to wait and uh, just becoming increasingly frustrated and impatient uh, also with wasting time or having our time wasted. And so, you know, I think there's a plus one um, trend here, you know, that, that talks about this, you know, I, I, I might call it this march towards, I mean, economists could be able to relate um, the march towards community capitalism, the evolution of capitalism, the fact that we are not only are we not wasting and indulging and maybe paying that premium, um, but we're trying to be much more conscious uh, and conscious, conscious and con- conscience, con- conscious and and consciousness, whatever about who we align ourselves with, where we spend our money, who we whom we give whom we give our loyalty towards. Um, and to me, this prioritization comes down to this idea of, you know, I don't know, making a difference, leaving a legacy. Um, it, it kind of comes full circle with respect to 2024, the halving of Bitcoin, uh, maybe the mainstreaming of crypto, maybe a resurgence or a renaissance of and for Web3. That's my little prediction for you um, that we are going to see. If you think Web3 is gone and going away, think again because the phoenix will rise from the ashes. And, uh, and certainly remember at the root of it all is this thing called the blockchain. And uh, if you think the block, you know, if you've confused the blockchain with crypto and with NFTs and with metaverse, um, then that will be a um, a mistake, shall we say. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And um, I hope you got some value out of this session. Um, I certainly did. Um, and, um, you know, um, I'll be uh, probably back. You'll probably hear one or two more episodes of The Collective Cafe before I wind down and take a break uh, in the new year. So expect one or two more sessions. I uh, would love to hear your uh, predictions and trends or your take on these 10 trends from The Economist. Um, I will also provide a link <clears throat> in the podcast to the original um, article as I will put that in the cafe chat and uh, not only would I like to hear your um, your take on these 10 uh, plus my you know I guess plus one and plus two because my plus one was really just about prioritization and mindfulness community capitalism which then I suppose also uh, you know kind of laddered into this re- resurgence or renaissance or revival if you will um, of web three but yeah I'd love to hear yours as well anyway Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day, and I will see you soon.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.